Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. I am Michael Cole. And I am Matthew Cravat. Feckin' Egypt. Welcome to the Feckin' Egypt podcast. Feckin' Egypt. Yeah, I wore it at on vacation, and my grandfather and my dad were walking over. My mom gave it to me while I was on vacation, and because uh, she got it in Ireland. And my dad and my grandfather walking over, and my dad says to my grandfather, "Do you see what your grandson is wearing?" <laughs> He's a thick in Egypt. Thick in Egypt. Um. All right. So we can just dive right in, but I do want to say that I was using a term. Uh, incorrectly when communicating with you. So if we are not talking about the same topic, I am prepared for the other option. So I was using the term death of the artist. Uh, and when I, and I was, you know, adding notes and stuff to Trello. And then when I went and actually Googled death of the artist, to try to find the exact definition, it was not what I was expecting. Um, so I was meaning I was talking, I, I want to do an episode about separating art from the artist as far as m morality. I, I took that from the context of the other notes around it. Gotcha. Like when right. I first saw the words death of the artist, I said, ooh, is he talking about like, you know, the death of the art form or something cool and deep? Yeah. And then I saw your examples. I'm like, oh, you mean like reading um, uh, uh, um Nabokov, Lovecraft, even yeah. though Lovecraft is a horrible racist. Yes, yes, exactly. And 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 I and I and mentioned to you. So for listeners, we've already done episodes on cancel culture, and I'm not, I'm not against repeating subjects if we have new takes on them. Um, this episode, I didn't want to do about cancel culture. I wanted to do about uh, almost specifically dead artists. So like because like Jerry they, Garcia. Yeah, it's oh, so funny. He doesn't know who Jerry Garcia. Is. No, I know who Jerry Garcia. Is. Grateful Dead, and he's dead, but he's a dead artist both ways. Uh, I understand. I just didn't get the dead. joke because it wasn't a good joke. Um, oh, <laughs> don't be a, don't be a don't be a fucking Egypt. Um, no, uh, I thought I was like I don't know anything problematic about Jerry Garcia. Nothing That's what I thought you were talking. No, but he's so Grateful Dead. So my the the reason I I say that is it um that I wanted to do kind of debt do dead artists specifically is it's very easy and and it's it's a different it's different math for me you know talking about louis ck or woody actually woody allen's a better um option like yeah i think it i think it overlaps because some of the yes because some, some of where i'll draw my line works for live or dead people sure but we can jump, we can jump in. There can be overlap uh, for sure. Um, but I'm just saying that like, to me, so like I will not pay money to go see Woody Allen and stuff. But if you told me Charlie Chaplin, if there's a Charlie Chaplin movie in a theater, I would potentially go pay to see that. And the difference between, I mean, what he was accused of doing to his daughter, that's not his wife, the other daughter um, is more intense than anything I'm aware of from Charlie Chaplin, but Charlie Chaplin uh, did at least one or two of his wives were under age. And so he had to marry them in order, or he married them in order to legally be able to have sex with them, which 
is pretty reprehensible. Might as well start here. his own religion at that point. Yeah. So, but, but, and it's a hundred years ago. So that's the other thing is that morality, there is some morality issues that I think changed with time, but also on top of that, like when I give money, when I go pay to see a Charlie Chaplin movie, I'm not giving money to Charlie Chaplin because he's been dead for 50 years or 45 years. Um, he died before I was born. So he's, you know, so that's, that's where I wanted to distinguish. Um, I do briefly want to talk about the true death of the artist because uh, concept, um, but we can do that now and get it out of the way or however you want to do it. Yeah, I'm easy. So I Googled the death of the theory of death of the artist and, or death of the author depends on it. I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> the, that's a great line from a great comedy movie called uh, transforming the faith. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, great comedy movie. Um, I think I stole it from something else though. I don't think it's an original from us. Um, it was just in the heat of the moment. Yeah. The, Death of the author is a literary theory that argues that the meaning of a text is not determined by the author's intention, but rather the reader's interpretation. This theory was first introduced by French philosopher Roland Barthes. I don't know if that's pronounced correctly. Who cares? Barthes, Barthes. In his essay, The Death of the Author, in 1967. Um, I don't... Once the author finishes putting pen to paper, he might as well be dead because the yeah. It, and it and it belongs to us at that point to some you know um there is mm-hmm. I, I think that that is its own interesting discussion that we can have too but and there is some overlap here but largely i mean i stopped yeah. believing that when i got an english degree oh yeah i i used to believe that until in the pursuit of my english degree during a higher level class where we spent you know like three months on one author and read everything he wrote and i realized oh my initial interpretation of one poem that i would have argued my interpretation was valid changes completely when i read all his poems and realize well there's no way he meant that and so yeah i agree you can get out of whatever you want to get out of something you know that's fine yeah but there also is a meaning that was intended you know so like i think both exist like it's more like the schrodinger's death of the author sure because there's the meaning that you get in your experience with it, and there's the meaning that it actually should have. Yes. I also think that there, with art that is very specific to one author, that makes sense. But then you have, we, and some of this, I'm sure, a lot of this, what I'm about to say came out about after 1967, but uh, when you have. It was around for that man. You don't remember 1967. I distinctly remember it because I was born in November of 1967. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway. Rough two months, man. uh, I think that when you look at something, and I'll use Star Wars as an example, but like it, it, if you looked at Star Wars, if if, if Star Wars, the movie, not Star Wars, the series came out and George Lucas never did anything else with it. And never sold the rights, never had, you know, never had other movies made. I'd say that's his one movie to interpret, you know, like the way he intended. But when you then get multiple artists and it comes and goes, and I think comic books are a great example of this. We don't typically think about the fact that Peter Parker is a metaphor for puberty 
and adolescents anymore um, because new artists have come in. And so it, it's in, so I think that when you look at something like Mark Twain or F. Scott Fitzgerald or something where it was very much, nobody else was going on and writing. I know that there's been additional Sherlock Holmes works and things like that, but um, actually there's been additional Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer fanfic stuff. But, but it even happens with, you know, things written, I mean, it's like you talked about George Lucas continuing to do movies, but versus like doing one book or doing a series of books and having characters change over the course of the series. They, mm -hmm. they age, they mature, they've done different. Like if you ever read the Dexter books that the, the, what the serial killer Dexter TV show was based on. Yeah. One of the books, the author just goes nuts. He suddenly makes it not about being mentally damaged as a kid, but being possessed by a demon. He can recognize when another serial killer exists because their his demon knows their demon, and it's suddenly a supernatural book, and it sucked. And the next book, totally stopped mentioning it. Like it went away. Like there was always a metaphor of his unseen passenger. But then in one of the books, it becomes, no, no, there's a demon. That's the pastor. He's possessed. And then it was so horrible that they just forgot about it in the next book. Yeah. Retconning is yeah. good. Self-retconning in the series. But not retconning as much as just not mentioning it again. Like they went back to being metaphor. Like, he didn't yeah. say, I'm not possessed. They just didn't talk about it anymore. Yeah. So, back to the non-death of the artist concept that we had originally the concept of can personally canceling an artist and does that change when they yeah. based on whether they're alive or dead so i'm i'm interested in your take um yeah i think that depending on why you're what your issue with the person is sure there's the there's the one um there's different tracks of um self cancellation you know or self but personal like, I'm not protesting and saying everyone should cancel this person, but saying I don't want to watch things by this particular artist, creator, whatever. There's the financial one. There's the, like, I don't need a Chick-fil-A because the money will go towards horrible things. So they're saying I don't want to give money to a person. That's one level. Mm -hmm. And that one clearly should go away if the artist dies because yeah. they or gets put in jail where they're not making money off it anymore. And if Unless their family is like just as evil as them or something, you know. Right, yeah, I mean, but, but it's like the economic thing kind of goes away. But then there's, and for me, that's majority of it for me, because I'm able, usually, generally, to separate the artist from the art. And, like, I don't, like, I'll watch things that are streaming, even if there's someone problematic. Like, I don't feel like, it, I mean, until the strike, they weren't getting any money off it for streaming. You know, and especially if they're, like, so my example would be um, Tom Cruise. My wife hates Tom Cruise because of his uh, anti-science stances and saying that postpartum depression doesn't exist, that women would just eat healthier or take vitamins they wouldn't have postpartum depression. And my wife, who went through serious postpartum depression, hates him because of that. Um, just, I, I want to push back on that for a second. Uh, you said he's anti-science, but I think he's so in favor of science that he believes in the tautology of science. Yes, he does believe in the tautology of science. He's a tautologist of science. Um Ironic name for it, isn't it? Um, I mean, I grew up with a, a family member who was Christian scientist, and people would ask, "A, they would." I get a lot of times people being like, "Oh, is that like what Tom Cruise is?" And I'd be like, "No." And then B, uh, you'd get people being like, "Oh," and and then you'd explain it, and they'd be like, 
wait a second, so there's no medicine? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why the word science is there. Yeah, and to have good marketing. Yeah, and I, and I, I should say, it's not like my wife hates him because he's a Scientologist, because I watch other things by other Scientologists, just because he was very publicly vocal attacking Brooke Shields, it was at the time, for talking about postpartum depression. My wife had just gone through and it was like done with him. So she supports Danny Masterson, is what you're saying? Uh, strongly. She wrote a letter in support of him. Um, oh my God. <laughs> so let's get my wife answered. I but, did see, sorry, I did see a, a, a short like Instagram reel this week and it was the, it said the cast of Forgetting Sarah Marshall is not having a great year. And, mm-hmm. and it was, they, you know, they were like showing Jonah Hill and, uh, and, and Jonah Hill being like, you know, he, he had his issues. Recognizing his, his uh, therapy talk. And then there was Russell Brand this past week. And then there was Mila Kunis. And they were like, Jason, please don't do anything. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so like my, so we do, so we're upset with him. So my wife's like, yeah. when I, I don't, my wife can't watch anything with his. I mean, and she loved Top Gun. It's one of her favorite movies. But when she starts to watch something with him, she cannot disassociate the artist. And she's like, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And she can't enjoy she can't enjoy the movie, where I won't go pay to see his movies because I because I kind of don't really want to reward him for the things he said and the harm that he did. But if it's streaming, especially knowing that they don't get streaming royalties, I'm happy to watch um, day of day after day of tomorrow, edge of tomorrow, edge of tomorrow. Was it the the one that yeah loops terrible like, name, can, great movie. I can watch that movie endlessly, literally, yeah, <laughs> like forever. I mean, I, and I'll watch that every time it's on streaming and I come across. So, so like, so for my wife, it's not a choice. It's I can't watch a Will Smith movie because if I see him on the TV, I get angry and can't watch the movie. For me, I generally can. I can say, you know, it's fine. I can watch someone who's an asshole. I just don't want to give money to. Sure. So, with the death of the artist, I'm totally fine with um, enjoying their art as long as knowing it's 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 good to know if their issue was an ideological one. Be aware of that crappiness so that you can filter it in your head when you watch their art and, yeah. and judge it that way, as opposed to, you know, Harvey Weinstein produced things and he was a horrible rapist. It doesn't affect the work that he did. Yeah. You know, because he didn't put rape. He wasn't making movies. rape movies. Well, right. maybe a couple, yeah. but not like, not yeah, pro like, rape. As opposed to when I watch a Zack Snyder film, I'm like, the reason everyone is dark and evil and shitty is because he's a dark, evil, shitty, playing Rand freak. And can't understand that anyone can have a noble purpose for doing anything. So all of his movies have this stupid, dark, greedy, selfish edge. So it's important to know that so you don't get caught up in the selfish edge. Oh, yeah, Superman should be a dick. Like, no, Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman. I agree that Zack Snyder doesn't really understand Superman, but I also, I don't know. I've, I, I feel like he's, I don't really think he's a dick. I think that he has wildly different political takes than me, but he also seems like to be one of the good Republicans, but like I've heard him defending, you know, like attacking people on their own stream about getting racist and stuff, and they thought that he would embolden them, and he's like, no, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a MAGA head. He's a pure libertarian, yeah, Ayn Randian, and that, yeah, and like I'm just saying for that ideology to be in his, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like I watch great videos on like Watchmen the movie versus Watchmen the comic, and saying it's like ninety percent perfect lift. 
but let's look at the 10% that isn't. And everywhere it differed, it was to add a libertarian twist to it. So just being aware of that. I'll watch I'll watch Watchmen twenty four times in a row. I love it. But yeah. it's nice to be aware of yes. where the difference is and why. What what the subliminal message is is in there. Yeah. I I think that so there's a lot of stuff that I think we make a big as a culture, make a big deal out of that you try to you know, I, I think it was Bill Maher that said um not to judge history by today's standards. Uh somebody recently said yeah i'm pretty sure he said something along those lines like we shouldn't be you know and he was talking like 90s comedies right yeah, like don't hold i write i do old yeah. style comedy don't hold me to your standards it's probably what he meant yeah and i think like there is i think that there is some truth to that and like we need to recognize that things are a product of their time and so sometimes that is that means that they are problematic by today's standards but not by the standards of then and I, I, I would I always push back when someone says that and say like okay but don't hold today till yesterday's standards either then because they do that a lot like yeah. it used to be okay for me to say the n word yeah. you know well yeah you couldn't so, make this movie today so you, right you couldn't but that's fine right so like there's like this weird like if you want it one way you gotta have it both ways and I do and I think that there is some some of that and I, I, I think I think that is a fair position for you to hold and I think when you take a look at certain social things like so i'm not trying to defend charlie chaplin but i'm saying that based like on the fact that there was a legality to it and morality of the time was significantly different when it came to like marriage of consent was a completely different story i mean it's not even completely different it's legal in north carolina to marry a young teenager if you can get the parents to approve it right it's just socially unacceptable right but it wasn't socially unacceptable then right and so i think and, and i mean so I think there's that stuff to take into account. I think when you look at, and, and you know, the big one that gets brought up a lot of the time is slavery, and you know, judging slave. And I don't know, I don't know much art that's that applies to slavery in that that way. Like, uh, Gone with the Wind, but it wasn't made by slavers. Is what I, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Just glorifies. I mean, maybe D.W. Griffith was a slave slave owner. He's old. Hit. He would have been old enough potentially to have been but like film wise it doesn't translate the same i know that mark twain at one point in his life had been pro-slavery when he was young but by the end he was very much against it so like that's the other thing is taking into account change and growth yeah so the thing that always amuses me about when people try to justify slavery as a cultural paradigm at a different time it's like no the people who were enslaved knew it was wrong and, the people in the North who were fighting the Civil War knew it was wrong. It's like it's not like nobody knew it was wrong, right? And there was moral <laughs> abolitionists, not just like, yeah. not like. And we we do see a lot of you know. There's that old bit about Abraham Lincoln, and if I could have it all be slave or all be free, that's the only way it's going to work. And I don't at this point. I just want it to all be united. I don't care. Like there's a lot of people who think it was a pragmatic thing, and sure, pra- pragmatism did come into it for some. But there were people who were morally, and, and there were white people who were morally, so this isn't like a, yeah, I know it's wrong because I'm being hurt in this. this. There's other people who are like, no, this is morally yeah, wrong. I mean, there's a book, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's about this guy named Moses, and his people are enslaved, and yeah. God, like, you know, kills the I, firstborn of one of them. I forget. I think it it's is. called Exodus. Yeah, Exodus. Oh, yeah, Exodus. Exodus, it was part of the Bibli series. Yeah. Yeah. And specifically, I think it's in the Torah. 
Mm-hmm. That'd be hilarious if someone just like logged on to this podcast for the first yeah, time and we're like, do these guys not know how to pronounce fucking anything? Are they, Did I just turn on Data Over Dogma by accident? Are they fucking Egypts? <laughs> just turn on Data Over Dogma. Those two Dans don't know what we're talking about. Um, but, which but, is my new favorite podcast. I can't get into that. I'll have to. I'll have to. I need something new in my rotation. I'm because god awful movies I just don't give a shit about. So yeah, I never listen to it. Um, but the data it's a uh, biblical um, PhD in biblical uh, interpretation. He, he speaks you know, ancient ancient Hebrew, translates it, um, and then and he is a believer. He's a Mormon, and he's with an ex Mormon who's an atheist, and they do a podcast basically debunking interpretations of the Bible going, using the data over the dogma version. And it's really funny because he's very strict on this obviously didn't happen when he's a believer. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not sure where his belief comes in since he's very rational about which things that clearly didn't happen in the Bible. Yeah. But in any case, um, it's about like people who had a book about how God himself intervened to stop people being enslaved still make the argument you know, that they didn't know it was wrong. But to be fair, that by that book is is in favor of slavery. Like Leviticus, was it twenty five? The yeah, yeah, it's it's got rules for how to how to do your, so like, how to do your slavery for sure. It's it's one. But of those, it's also got a big story about how it's not a good thing because it's not a good thing when things, it happens to God's chosen people. Well, one of the things that data over dogma they routinely is you can't treat the Bibli as if one person wrote it with one message. Mm-hmm. It's a collection of stuff, and so it, of course it's self contradictory. Right. You know, because it well, it has to be. It's not. It's not one story. It's people threw stuff together. But but I was just saying, like you can't pretend that nobody knew it. Could, even if the Bible lets you do it both ways, the idea that well they didn't know it was wrong is ridiculous. When the, there's the whole story about how wrong it was. Yeah. Even if they continued to do it later, it was still clear that it's wrong. I like watching old clips of Matt Delonte talking to people on. Uh, atheist experience and when they're in and getting into the leviticus 25 part of it and mm-hmm. and people being like but that's that was for the time and he's like but if god's all knowing and omniscient and, and and they're like well god they wouldn't have accepted it and then, the then people he's ate not shrimp and he told them <laughs> he told them to stop eating shrimp and he told them not to wear multi yeah um fabrics but he couldn't bother to say don't do this like yeah. that didn't like well they wouldn't have listened but he said don't kill like he's God. Yeah. Like why? Why couldn't he put the rule in there? Yeah. Maybe God didn't know. But so that's where in my house it is a difference. So I I don't watch things that my wife doesn't want to watch because she gets upset with people who she doesn't want to see in it alive or dead because it's not about the money for her. It's about the I can't stop thinking about what they did, so I can't do it. And for me that happens with some things. Like I have, I can't. I don't. I don't feel like I can watch um, Bill Cosby stand up because I can't see him as a harmless purveyor of wisdom and wit yes. at the same like like his knowing who he is his persona on stage doesn't work for me right from that perspective though woody allen should be fine because he basically played the thing he's been accused of so many times yeah and I mean, then, he's a creepy little horn dog we yeah. know that he's a creepy yeah. little horn dog yeah um but I just want and to really say, i do like his I will always love his um, moose. Have you ever heard of his moose story? His, his story about um, shooting, hunting a moose. No. I, I can do it word for word, but I will not do it justice. So if you go willing to listen to him yeah. on, online, find it on YouTube, and yep. it's it's one of my favorite monologues of all time. Yeah, I used to make my pledges memorize it in fraternity days. 
Yeah. I just want to say, because you mentioned uh, about about the Bible. Oh, it's almost like it wasn't written by God. Uh, Logan asked Sarah and me the other day something about the first people. And, and, I, was, and I was like, I don't know. And he was like... Canadian Indians? And he was like, At, well, it was Adam and Eve. And I was oh, like... Them. Oh, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, and which we I forget why the topic came up, and 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 we started talking about it, and I said, hey, if you want, if you want, I just want you to know this, okay? the The book was written by men, and they want to keep men in charge, so you need to keep that in mind. And I said, when you're t- interpreting some of what they wrote in that part, I said, for example. Because he knows, he doesn't know how babies are made, but he knows how eight babies come to the world through, you know, through, through a vagina. But so, how's the stork getting a vagina? Yeah, he, uh, he's never heard the stork story, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know about insemination and all that shit, but he knows about um, babies grow in mommy's tummy. Yeah, and how they come out. Although he did, when we, when he, we, he asked us one day and we told him, he's like, oh, I thought it was out there, bum. And I was like, yeah, that's gross, but yes. Um, but we were so he knows all always that. come out that way. So I said, like Logan, in the in in the Bible, um, you know, in in the story of Adam and Eve, they talk about the fact that God made man first and then took Adam's rib to make Eve, and that's why she is woman because she is from the womb of man, and like only somebody who wants to support. The uh, like that guys are the originals and guys are the best. Would we get it that wrong? And he was like, he's looking at me, and I, like, and I didn't, you know, he doesn't know what a womb is. But as soon as I said it, he was like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like he had this look on his face, like that doesn't make any sense. Especially because they didn't speak English then, so that wouldn't be the way they would make up the words. Truth, but that just sounds like a church thing. <laughs> could have been, I don't know. But the other thing to ask him is say, look, they had two kids at. Um, Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel, and then he went and got married. Who did he get married to? He went to live with the other people of the world, mm. and he was afraid they would kill him when they found out that he was the one who murdered his brother. But why would he be afraid of that if the only other people were his parents? Hmm. Yeah. Well, there I... were some other people around in that story. Yeah. So the Jewish interpretation was, well, Adam and Eve were the first Jews. You guys, you're descended from all those other people. The Jews are descended from Adam and Eve's until he gets to Noah, and then everyone's descended from that family because everyone else got wiped out. So it's irrelevant anyway. True. And there were two irrelevants on the ark. I'm trying to think. Well, probably seven pairs of whatever it was. Yeah. When Sarah and I were looking at Kentucky to go visit Kentucky, uh, just because it's one of our states that we have the ark park. Well, we were looking at going there, and I was like, "There's a Corvette museum, and we can go." My cut, one of my cousins lives. A bunch of my cousins lives in like Cincinnati, but one of my cousins lives right over the, over the um, border in Kentucky. I'm like, we can go, you know, see all of them and have dinner in Kentucky and and do stuff. And Sarah was like, "Would you be interested in going to this Ark Park?" And I was like, (laughs) "I was like, honestly, like, I I don't want to give them money, but also like, I don't want to like." Because Sarah doesn't believe in the literalness of the Bible, yeah, right? So, like, she would have just gone out of a curiosity thing. But I'm like, I don't want to go and make you feel uncomfortable as I'm like, be this is wrong. This is wrong. What the fuck? There, there's dinosaurs on it. Yeah. And there's, like, animals that 
there is no evidence ever existed on it that are supposed to like, be like, like dinosaurs. Um, Jesus rode a dinosaur, so don't be a... Yeah. Um, so anyway. what? Are, yeah, back to slavery. Um, well, so back to back to dead dead people. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I think it, for me, emotionally, if there's some reason I can't let go of the particular person because of a... Because I can't. You know, not a choice. I don't... Like, I don't... There's no one I choose not to watch their content um, as a statement, That's but dead. there's right. people that I mean, alive or dead. Like I just want to choose not to. There's just some like Cosby that I just can't. Like I can't. Yeah. I can't do willing suspension of disbelief to to enjoy it. And my for yeah. my wife, that's like universal. Like you know, flash movie. Like she could not get into it at all because Ezra Ezra Miller has had so many problems. Mm-hmm. And even if they end up being like, you know, they have mental health issues and they're dealing with them and it's not a negative moral judgment on them, just being aware of it kept pulling her out of the movie. Yeah. At least in the first third. After a third of the way through, their performance is actually so good. And I mean, the movie's not great overall, but Ezra's yeah. performance is pretty good. The amazing. special effects are terrible. Uh, and I don't love the, the Savitar twist of, yeah. uh, uh, or, or like, way that was done but yes i agree that the performance was excellent i mean you forget i mean you forget that there is one actor like they're yeah they yep. play the, the dual role so lawlessly and that's where the special effects are perfect that's why i think the special effects that were bad were chosen to be bad it was just a, a bad decision creatively because it looked crappy but the fact that the two batteries look perfect all the time means they have the special effects skills right. they just purposely did it weird as a choice and yeah so, uh, this this sounds like this is going to apply more to Madhavi than you, but does she, uh, what about redemption? If, if for example, like you said, if, if their mental mental health comes into it and, but let's say they also make some, rede- re- some steps towards making it right with the victims and enough time passes and there's a, 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 like a legitimate redemption. Would she be open to that in any case, or? Well, I mean, again, I think with her also, it's not a conscious choice. Is sure. that she can't? Sure, but she's it, her level of not being able to put it aside is just much on the more on the surface than, than me. Sure, so potential. So potential. So I really can't answer because I don't know of a of a case. Yeah, where she's. I mean, I think she's been able to watch, like a. Tom Cruise movie here or there in recent years because it's been decades now. Yeah, and um, I think he did apologize, although I don't think he did anything substantive. Yeah, so I, I think she's 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 not as upset as she was about that. Right. That's why I'm just curious, because um, I I mean, I think it's one of those things where redemption is largely. I think it's important to be able to have the option for redemption, but I also think redemption is a. Um, it, yeah. It's Who's a, granting you redemption? Like, is right. it victims or, oh, okay, I'll say I forgive you, now I can watch a movie for you. Right. And I also, yeah, and I also think, like, it, it is, if I, for example, um, you know, I've been, I was uh, bullied and, and um, sexually assaulted as a, as a young person, young, uh, not quite adult. Um, I don't have any ill will towards that person. And so I don't want them to lose jobs. Assuming that they're not doing any of that shit still, I don't want them to lose jobs or anything else because we were very young. And I, and if that person's now a good good person otherwise, I have no problem. 
I the never want to did it doesn't exist anymore. Really, but I never want to see that person again. Right, like I don't yeah. like want to par- in- interact, and I don't think that that's an unacceptable way of looking at it. For example, you know, like I'm trying to think of somebody who's done something terrible, but not. I think Louis C.K. is probably the best example of somebody. I don't know that he's done the work fully to be redeemed. I don't know, like. Um, but Louis C.K., what he did is not the same as Woody Allen. Well, like my, my example would be um, Al Franken. Sure. Al Franken is a great, yeah, that's a much he, better example. Yeah. And, and you know, he left the Senate over it, you know, to, to make up for what he did. He, you know, yeah. he, didn't, he never really assaulted anyone other than doing things that were in bad taste and over, over, over a line of, of, yeah. of, of, of decency for the joke because he was a comedian head of anything goes if it's a laugh and that's not right, right. but that's where he was right. and he's apologized for it he voluntarily stepped down and said yeah. oh, I should pay for what I did but now he's got a podcast and and yes I don't feel bad about listening to that podcast on occasion yes that's a much better example but I also understand for if if that woman that he did the joke too, which I get. She was asleep, and he—I forget—was it that he took a picture? Well, like he wasn't actually. But he, touched... he put his hands over and went, "Ooh!" Like, a, but that yeah. was one of the things. Sure. It was also, you know, some people said like at like the state fair when they would take a picture, he'd smack someone's butt so they go, "Ooh!" Right when the picture was being taken. Oh. Like he wasn't doing it to be sexual; sure. he was doing it because it was goosing them would be funny. Yeah. Okay. But which like, was inappropriate and wrong, and he apologized for it. Yeah. You know. So I think like, stuff, but it was wrong. Us, us as society can re- can say, okay. He's done his part, and I would if I met any of those women or other people that he had those bad interactions with, and they're like, "Yeah, I, I am never gonna like, I'm never gonna watch." I'm, or in, I'm still in therapy. I can't take a picture with someone because of right. Well, yeah, and, or if they're just like, I, you know, I don't want him to be punished forever, but I'm not ever yeah. going to listen to a podcast. I will change the channel if he shows up on the news. Like, I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, that that's." not an overreaction that's not unacceptable but we as a society behave differently than a victim and i don't mean that to belittle the victim i also think that it's you know it, it's hard like, al franken's the best example it's hard to find examples where it's it can be that what was the harm done is yeah. it something you can recover from yeah that, that without the victim being the person who said right and there's nothing though that you know I don't know if I always accept a victim's um, acceptance of someone. You know, sure. if someone was so victimized that they're like, "Oh, it's okay, I deserved it." Sure, you know that that doesn't relieve the person to me. Well, there's that. There's also, you know, uh, hey, like if you know, I, I was just what I was just saying about my bully slash uh, assaulter. Like, if if I'm their only victim that they ever did any of that stuff to, then I have no problem with them living a good life. But if they are out there or if they, they became a priest, if they went out and did more stuff, I know that I, he's popped up on LinkedIn before. He's not a priest. Um, uh, <laughs> I had someone who was, didn't assault me to that level, but was like annoying, teasing, teasing bully. Yeah. Like in like nursery school, preschool, kindergarten, up to like second grade or something. Right. You know, nicknames, just teasing. Um, who I like, really didn't see again after elementary school. I don't know if we didn't even go to the same junior high school or high school. Like we may have went different paths. But a couple of years ago, he reached out to me on um, Facebook. And I was like, oh, I remember that asshole. And he used to tease me all the time. And he just sent me a friend request. And I was like, but you know, 
we were kids and it didn't do any permanent damage. I, it would be petty of me, I thought, me personally in this experience, not judging anyone else's yeah. responses, to not accept his friend request just because, you know, when we were young, I mean, like I wouldn't, I don't need to be his best friend or anything, but what the hell? So I said, yes. The next day I get a, a message from him and it's this deep apology for how he teased me and how he treated me. But like I'm saying, we were like eight or nine and you know, between four and eight. Like we were not yeah. adults. It wasn't high school teasing. And I looked at it and I said, I bet he's in a 12 step program. Like, and he had to apologize and make amends. And like, he's gone this far back, like to elementary school to make amends. So I graciously said, Hey man, it has not affected my life. I'm totally cool with this. You know, you don't owe me anything. And we never spoke again, never commented anything on Facebook, never sent me a note. It was like, he just needed to connect with me so he can get the apology he needed so he can move on, which hopefully helped him. That would be a good, I don't watch his movies. No, that'd be a good topic. Uh, for us the topic to get we into could talk about one day is restorative step. judgment, restorative judge justice. Sure. Yes. And because I have an issue with for this topic, right? Like, let's go to your buddy um, James Gunn for a minute. We did a, did it on Anthony's apologies, and we made the joke how he had made bad jokes ten years before that came back to haunt him. Yeah. And in my mind, if we're if if we believe in restorative justice, if somebody did something ten years ago and they have not repeat offended in ten years. And what's the use of punishing them now? They've already become a better person. Like, you're not going to make them a better person. They've already done that. Like, just because you didn't get a chance to punish them just feels sadistic to me. Yes, I agree. Sorry, I'm writing down restorative justice. And what I was going to suggest was just 12-step programs, um, especially as atheists. I think that's an interesting topic, but I'm not as – I don't – I need to talk to somebody abuse. and get some expertise first. Yeah, so we would. I think it would be interesting to bring on somebody. Even, you know, maybe even do. We, but, I think I find someone. Someone random, like like all the atheist Facebook groups. I'm like some sure somebody, just random person like us, has had some experience they can talk about as a non-expert. Yeah. As far as restorative justice, by the way, um, it, that term. I'm sure part of the reason why you're using that is because Noah had um, mm -hmm. the people on from the uh, the woman Man. on from. Is her name Anne? Uh, no, I said Cam. Oh, Cam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, woman from their new um, organization, and I need to look into it for us. But I think that that would be a good thing for us to participate. Yeah, I was going to say, are we too small to even like? Like, I feel like we'd be using it to network. Yeah, I mean, possibly, <laughs> but also it would be nice. Who are we going to harass our wives? But it also might, like, if we're on the on that and we've gone through that program and we can do that it may also like let people know that it's acceptable to because like i would be imagine that if you're cog disc or any of those other ones and you're trying to get other people on like the vetting process has to be difficult to yeah. get your guests on especially they've had some guests that since then have kind of been problematic um so not just cognitive dissonance. I just used them as an example. Yeah, yeah. Well, we say at TFS we talk about how many people we turned bad. Like we've had four or five speakers who ended up being horrible people. Yeah. You know, a year after they were with us, I'm like, is it us? Did, did we did we cause it? They came through our doors and they became yeah. horrible. I also think like the accountability of it, like get like participating in the accountability side of things, may help. Just you know, it's like putting pronouns in your profile it may just be a good way of just kind of 
letting it become the norm, you know? I personally, like I said, I think that what you made, what you said made sense about whether or not it's ideological and it's in their work as also, I haven't come across, okay, I haven't come across an example of someone who I genuinely enjoyed, who I find their behavior so despicable that I can't enjoy watching them that is dead. So I like I was talking about John Wayne earlier um, today with some coworkers, and we were talking, you know, and I and you and I had talked, and I think with what when Wes was on a few maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. we talked about John Wayne and how he had some very like bad. I won't say problematic. Problematic makes he was a racist. Problem problematic is gray area. <laughs> He's a racist. He's a racist. <laughs> But I also think he's a bad actor. I never like really enjoyed him before. A bad I knew actor that in both terms. Him. Yes, <laughs> but I never enjoyed his work before. I knew that about him. So like, it's not like if I all of a sudden found out that um, Charlie Chaplin helped co-write Mein Kampf or something like, like bad Jew. <laughs> he's not Jew. There's a there's a famous part of the, how did he do comedy? He was not a Jew. There's a famous part in in Chaplin where there's a Nazi at a party in pre-war Hollywood, uh, you know, mid mid to late thirties, and uh, the and he's speaking because there's a you know Nazis were coming here to try to basically drum up support for the non-Holocausty part of the non-specifically outwardly Holocausty part mm-hmm. of their their um ideology henry ford side of things yeah and so he's at this party and there's a lot of people talking and and uh chaplin says something along the lines of he rebuts him and and he goes oh you must be a jew and and chaplin his response in the movie and i believe that they said it was based on a real line that he said was i do not have that i do not have that honor but i but i have a great affection for them He's something. a Brit, right? He was a Brit. Yes, yeah. yeah. But he had an ish in his name. He was ish. He was British. Yeah. Similar. I mean, he does. He, he does look like, he, like a you know, he. I mean, like a little just, Jew. Say it, little Jew. Say it. Say it. Say it. I was gonna say. I just he looks like he could be Jewish. It's funny. That's I'm just assuming because yeah. yeah, everyone is funny is Jewish. Yeah. Although at that time, I'm trying to think. I know that the 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 three um, Stooges were Jewish. Stooges, Marxes, Marx Brothers. Yeah. What What about um, Buster Keaton? I don't think was Jewish. Uh, Fatty Arbuckle, I don't think was Jewish. I'm trying to think of the other comedians of the day. So I guess here's the question: Is like he's dead? He's been dead for sixty years. Can you now? And can you specifically, not you as the audience, but you, Matthew? Can you enjoy watching Hitler's speeches again? Um, I, I like the rhythm. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god! I saw a clip of from I think I it's, liked Charlie Chaplin doing Hitler. Yes, I do like theater. that too. I love that speech. It's one of my favorite speeches of any of any movie. Um, I will share it in the link. I'll link it to it in in the show notes. But there's a speech from the end of the Great Dictator. And Charlie Chaplin gives this, he's supposed to be pretending he's a character. It's, it's a 
you know, very much a tale of not tale, uh, a prince and the pauper style story about a, a, a Jewish barber and a Adolf or Adele Hinckley or something. It's not, it's supposed to be Adolf Hitler, but it's not, it's not specifically Hitler's name and they get confused and mixed up and, um, and he's giving this speech and it's, it's amazing. I will fin- include it in the show notes. It's, it's touching and funny. It, I think it's as applicable today as it was 85 years ago when it was made. Anyway, you want to start wrapping it up? I, I, I know this kind of, kind of feels short, but I'm so hungry tired. Yeah. Okay. And hungry. I don't think Sarah's going to get stuff for food. Though. Um, so anyway, big stuff. Um, I don't know what we're going to do for, Oh, I did write some ads in, um, do we can record, we can close it out okay. and then we can do, we can record little, little bits of it. Did you watch any of the ads from the advertising episode? Yeah. No. Okay. They, I did the like TV filter on them and just did like act now and I have to go look at it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we would like to talk to you quickly about uh, a couple of ways you can support the show, and um, and you don't have to let these artists die of starvation. Um, you can give us uh, your support by liking our videos on YouTube, subscribing. Uh, if you're wa- listening to this instead of watching it, you can uh, obviously hit follow, hit subscribe if you're on, depending on which podcast structure you use. Uh, write us a review. Do whatever you want to do. but and, and try to make it so that it auto-downloads every episode every week. That would be great and super helpful. If, for some reason, that doesn't satisfy you and you're like, these guys are awesome and I want to help them more. For just $3 a month, you can be a stuffer, as I have labeled our $3 patrons, a stuffer. And that will get you this show and every other show on Monday instead of Friday. It will be uncensored, which usually means that Matthew has made at least one or two inappropriate jokes that are are not so bad that I'm going to cut them. Um, uh, There's a couple that... They don't. They don't even make it to the trauma Patreon. from your childhood. Yeah. Um. And, and then if that isn't enough for ten dollars a month, you can get the extra special stuff, which is uh, that makes you a big stuffer, and that gets you uh, access to some of my hopes and dreams. Because uh, we did talk about that, and I did cut that for only big stuffers. I think that's about it. Um, Matthew, stuff has become up with it. Yeah, but Matthew, you got you got anything? No, I just want to thank everyone for coming by for speaking about Grushtofen. Yeah. The preceding podcast has been a Chocolate Diamond Media LLC production. Copyright twenty twenty three. All rights reserved.